0: Ava Hartling. Welcome back to the Brand is Female podcast. This week, I speak with Dana Ben-David, co-founder and creative director of Healthy Bud, a pet wellness brand that's focused on functional treats, meal toppers, and healthy and nutritional food for dogs. This season of our podcast is brought to you by TD Bank Group, Women in Enterprise. TD helps women in business achieve success and growth through its program of educational workshops, financing and mentorship. Visit thebrandisfemale.com slash podcast and follow the link to find out how TD can help you. Are you ready to be inspired and connected? I'm really excited to share that we have officially launched the Brandis Female Conversation Series. Come and join us for a monthly conference that's changing the game in Montreal, Vancouver, and Toronto. Engage with fellow women thought leaders, innovators, and visionaries. Get ready for insightful discussions and powerful networking opportunities presented by TD Women in Enterprise. Don't miss out on this opportunity to elevate your career and your network. Visit our website, go to the events section and secure your spot today. I can't wait to meet you in person. A multi-passionate professional, Dana has an interesting background that gave her the knowledge she needed to start her company alongside her husband and their business partner. Before becoming an entrepreneur, she studied architecture, audio production and voice acting. And as a trained vocalist and pianist, Dana also ventures in the music industry. In this conversation, you'll hear about Dana's success building a pet food that's focused on completely different offerings in the market. Here is our conversation. Dana, it's such a pleasure having you on the Brennan's Female today. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to be here. I always start these conversations by going back in time, down memory lane. So I'd love to know, uh, growing up, what kind of career did you think you'd be uh, pursuing? What kind of what kind of job did you think you'd want to have as a grown up? <sighs> That's a
1: good, that's a good question. Um, not having a pet wellness brand. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think growing up, I always wanted to be in something entertaining. I was always on stage. Um, I was always creative. So something that had to do with interacting with people, creating something out of nothing. Mm-hmm. Um, I really did want to be a singer when I was young. Um, so I guess the simple answer is what did I think I'd be doing? probably something musical, acting, singing. Um,
0: Yeah. I love that. Did you have any role models Were there, you know, kind of sources of inspiration around you and and maybe it was in the entertainment world, if that's, if that's what you were dreaming of, but who was kind of that role model and maybe a woman uh, when you were growing up?
1: Yeah, I, I grew up in, you know, the late 90s, early 2000s. So I was surrounded by like the big female pop artist era, like the Britney Spears and the Christina Aguilera's of the world, the Jennifer Lopez's. So I just remember, you know, looking at them, you know, being on stage and just feeling like that was like the ultimate, I don't want to say high, but like Mm -hmm. I could always picture myself doing that I remember I went to go see Hillary Duff that was the first concert I ever saw and I remember looking at her and being like I'm gonna be on stage one day and it was like a Hillary Duff concert and it's not that like no shame on Hillary Duff she's awesome but it wasn't like this huge production you know it was just a girl on stage right. singing and I was so taken by it and I remember coming home and telling my mom like I'm gonna do that but I, I do have to also give a bit of a nod to my parents they they put me in front of the piano when I was three years mm-hmm. old so i I was surrounded by musical instruments, and um really, when I was around ten or eleven, I, I was like, "I think I want to learn how to sing, and I dropped the piano and started to learn how to sing.
0: Yeah, that's so fun. And were there any entrepreneurs, business owners around you? you know, was that something that maybe sparked an interest in business, even though it's not what you were foreseeing for yourself? For sure. Um, So my father started his own business. So my my father's an
1: entrepreneur. My grandparents uh, also, they work together. Um, They're entrepreneurs. uh, So I grew up seeing the possibility of working um, also with a family member uh, or with a loved one. So right now I work with my husband and his best Mm -hmm. friend. So I just saw that possibility very clearly growing up. But I don't know if Um, at the time, that was something that I aspired to do, but I feel like it was kind of woven into
0: my DNA. (laughs) And you had, you had kind of that lived, you know, that, that experience of of being around somebody who owned their business. Um, So fast forward, did you make it? Did you start a career in entertainment? Yeah, I did. I, uh, I guess I should backtrack a little bit. The path
1: of how I got to where I am today is really not linear. And I feel like it's like that for so many people, especially in creative arts. Um, I have a little bit of like passion ADD. So I'm like, and and I have a lot of curiosity. So, you know, I started out, um, I started out exploring the arts and entertainment. I was part of theater groups. I took music lessons. Um, But, didn't really go anywhere. I don't know if I even knew what I wanted at that time. And there's so many ways to do the arts. Um, and just that wasn't, it wasn't really clear. I just don't wanted to sing. But my parents were obviously like, you should probably get a degree. You should probably go to school while you're young. And like, there was a lot of that kind of push and pull of passion versus practicality. And that was really ingrained in me. So I ended up going to university because I wanted to go study songwriting and voice at Berkeley. And that was the path that I wanted to take. And at the same time, you know, my parents very, um, you know, they have a, they were, they're very like logical and practical and they're like, well, what if you don't get in? It's very hard to get in. And what if we can't afford it? Like, we don't know you'd be eligible for scholarships and all that. So they said you should probably apply to something else in the meantime. And I was really stubborn. I'm like, but that's all I want to do. And we always laugh because my applications university, it, it, it's honestly comical. I think I applied to it was across the board. I applied to criminology. I really didn't want to do anything else. I'm like, let's just let's just just go and check off all these different <laughs> different <laughs> types of <laughs> industries and careers. So I think I did. I did criminology. I did law. I did. I just said whatever, went to down the list anyway. and checked but, everything. <laughs> yeah, and then I actually they were like, you should take this a little bit more seriously. So mm-hmm. I was really reflecting and I'm like, okay, if I actually didn't do music, what would I do? And mm-hmm. I was good at science. Like I was able to mm-hmm. grasp the concepts. Okay. So, and I loved art and creativity and interior design and houses. So I'm like, maybe architecture could be cool. And I applied to it and, um, first. I, I don't really know how till this day. I don't know how I got in. I'll be honest. I'm not saying that to be, <laughs> to be modest. Like I really, I look at my portfolio and I'm like, what were they thinking? <laughs> um, and, uh, somehow I got in and I got into Berkeley too. And it was one of those moments where I was like, this is, I obviously want to go there. It was so expensive. Yeah. It didn't make sense. So right. long story short, I ended up, ended up at McGill, uh, studying mm. architecture for three years, which was wow. in retrospect, such a beautiful experience and, mm-hmm. and so fascinating, but I think in it, I don't know if I had the maturity at the moment, like at least in first year to really realize what a privilege it was and mm. how that would later be so formative, yeah,
0: uh, for my journey moving forward. But you ask and the and, question, and that's often what happens, right? It's when we reflect back as a as you know an, an older adult on our experience in university. It's like wow, there's so much I could have taken advantage of, but I wasn't seeing the big picture, right? Exactly,
1: and and you know, that was a very long-winded answer to your question. <laughs> like you know, <laughs> did you end up doing it? Well, mm-hmm. I
0: ended up saying sort know, of, know, yeah. I'm going,
1: mm-hmm. I'm going to go through the program, but when mm-hmm. I graduate, I'm I'm jumping out and I'm going to go full on into music. I'll have gotten my degree and I'm going to do it. So I actually moved to Toronto and I studied audio production and artist management uh, for a year and then um, lived in Toronto, working in the industry. I joined a live entertainment industries and just really pursued it mm-hmm. and saw what it was like to actually make that, try to turn that into a career and right. one thing was next and then COVID happens. So everything, mm. like, it was a crazy whirlwind. And that's where, you know, healthy bud came into play is when kind of the world came to a, a halt like a, a, screech, yeah. a screeching halt it was <laughs> and I was kind of like really getting into the gist of you know I came up with the stage name and I had an album that I was releasing and was wow. just, you know, I was I mm-hmm. was working like every weekend mm-hmm. um and then we could no longer gather as a community and bring audiences together so that was the end of that but that's it.
0: that's life you know you never know what what's in the in the works so tell me about the first conversation around making healthy bud a possibility yeah you know transparently I wasn't involved in the first conversations okay. um, my,
1: my my now husband and his best friend um, had this idea together I
0: mm-hmm. wasn't very involved I was kind of in my own world but I you know, I lived with you know, my boyfriend yeah. at the time. So I heard. And you heard all um, the discussions, you were privy yeah. to the, the behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And um, at the time, um, Kyle, uh, who is who's now my husband, mm-hmm. his family dog passed away really suddenly. Uh. Um, and it led him to question, like, how did, where do where we go wrong? How was I so disconnected from her health and, and mm-hmm. wellness? And she just, she's just, gone like from when she was symptomatic to when she passed away it was like three days. So it was wow. it was so shocking. And at the time his his close friend Adrian was working in the human health space. He's really into mm-hmm. superfoods and and creating like medicinal mushroom tinctures and just mm-hmm. very into wellness. And they you know they say they always wanted to work together. And all of a sudden this idea came about is what if we create these superfood products for our dogs and mm-hmm. with the intention of having them live a longer, healthier life. So, mm-hmm. they started the idea, like the, the framework. And then when it mm-hmm. came to the creative aspect, they were kind of like, I'm really, they didn't that's know where not that's not their expertise. What, no. And so, Kyle's background is in, in finance and wealth management, mm-hmm. and Adrian's, he actually has a background in law, but has this, you know, has also experience in, in the health world as well, working mm-hmm. in that clinic. So, they cover, we covered a lot of bases together. Um, but when it came to like logo design, fonts, branding, packaging, just the brand. I mean, I didn't really know what I was doing either, but I guess I was more set up compared to them. Was, I was right. always hanging fruit. I was right there. Didn't have to look far. And I believed in them. I believed in the idea. So mm-hmm. I started to help a little bit here and there. This was right before COVID. So I was still working in the industry and mm-hmm. I'm like, I can give you guys some time, like no problem. I'm happy to help. And, uh, I love, I love the idea. I, I look at back at what we created and it's,
0: I don't know if I'll ever show that to anybody. It
1: was so bad. It was so bad, but I guess you have to
0: start somewhere. And it led to something good because the branding is pretty nice now. Thank Um, Thank you. So tell me about kind of those for, you know, when, what did it take to get to launch and were you a full part of the team at that point?
1: So we launched around 20... It's crazy with COVID, like, I'm like, I don't know what year are we in now? I have no (laughs) idea. Well, COVID started in 2020. 2020. Exactly. So that's around when we launched. We actually launched online at first. Um, we just, we had two products. They were white labeled, you know, sweet potato and beef lung. We figured Mm -hmm. those were the products that like, we didn't need any R and D. We knew that they were, uh, hits in the pet pantry. And then mm-hmm.
0: for, for our listeners who are not familiar, obviously, you you know, your whole concept is as few ingredients as possible, just real quality, uh, human-grade quality ingredients, I believe. So if you're getting a sweet potato snack, it's only sweet potatoes, right?
1: So that's how it started. The, mm-hmm. It started with just making it simple. Mm-hmm. So there was a lot on the shelves. So we're like, yeah, hey, we'll just bring in a single-ingredient treat. But our ethos kind of evolved and really it's actually... I don't want to say the opposite, but we're about purposeful
0: ingredients and superfood yes. ingredients. So, yeah. how yeah, you've got the adopt- meal? You've got the actual meal and meal wrappers yeah. that are uh, packed with super amazing food. ingredients. Exactly,
1: mm-hmm. exactly. Um, so, yeah, how did it, it get off the ground? There was there were so many things that had to happen at once, right? It's a little bit chaotic at the beginning, but yep. you haven't really proven any market fit yet so there isn't like so much on the table you're just Mm. it's a little bit more playful i find at the beginning which is really fun Mm -hmm. yeah you can can make
0: mistakes when you start
1: (laughs) yeah they don't yeah exactly so we we had to cross our teeth dot our eyes and just we went through almost this this kind of checklist well it's like Mm. well we got to find the product so we need to Find you know a, a source or a yeah. manufacturer, right? Then
0: we got to have the package design. And was that difficult finding? Because you you know I think now there's more of a trend. It's fairly recent to have kind of that level of quality and nutrients in in dog food. So was it hard finding a supplier who could make this for you?
1: Well, at the beginning, we just started with white label products. So it actually wasn't okay. too difficult because it's like, okay, we need to find someone who can supply us with sweet potato that has the certifications and the right. facility that we want. Whereas like today, now we actually work with formulators and that was mm. got a little bit more complicated and needed actual like R and D if you want to call it. Gotcha. So at the beginning, it was just a lot of research. I mean, Kyle was all, also had a family friend in the industry who kind of, we were very lucky to have um, some mentors early on and some mm-hmm. support. Which which was helpful, so it wasn't like too hard, I would say. But again, I also have to be really transparent about the fact that I was at the beginning not so involved in the nitty gritty um, as I am now that the brand is re- has really like taken off and and mm. the direction has shifted. I wouldn't say the direction has really shifted, but like the strategy and everyone's role, we all kind of fell into our seats in a, yeah. in a little more of a permanent way. So. Mm-hmm. It, the the way the company evolved is really fascinating and beautiful to look on, like, you know, just to go back a couple of years and realize, like, wow, this is what we used to do. And that was our workflow. And that wasn't like so efficient, mm-hmm. but we, we yeah. did it somehow. I don't know. We faked it till we made it, I guess.
0: Most business owners do, I think. <laughs> <You know?
1: laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. it's
0: uh, not a, not, not so well-kept secret. And no. Yeah. And and it happened also so quickly. Like we worked mm. so hard in such a small period of time that I really look yeah. back. And sometimes I'm this like, is I only COVID is three years ago. Right. So all of this happened within the last yeah. three years.
1: And when people ask, how do you do it? Like, sometimes I'm literally like, I don't know. Mm. <laughs> it's all a blur. Like it just, we just went forward and we worked as a team and we covered our bases and we just divided and conquered. And like, mm. you know, it, it's, it's, it's a great, it's a good question, obviously, like, how did you guys do this? And I guess if I really pull it apart, we can get to the core of it. But I think at the end of the day, it was just like a healthy amount of naivete and just like, I could do anything and we can just do it. And, and time and the luxury of time because Mm -hmm. of COVID and everything, it was just this perfect, happy
0: mess. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so tell me about what felt like your first big win. And, and maybe that was early on. Maybe it was when you, you know, joined the team in a team in, in a more serious capacity. Uh, but what felt like, OK, this this is actually going to be a business and it looks like it's taking off. What was that first kind of kind of big moment for you guys?
1: I think we each have different ones. Mm-hmm. I think for me, the moment where I realized that we're actually a brand that could appeal to our target market is when I was at the dog park with my, with my pup Lila in Toronto. And I met this really sweet woman at the park with a cute golden doodle. And we started to talk. I, as you could probably tell, I, I love to talk and connect with people. So if I'm mm-hmm. at a park, like, we're going to chat and we're going gonna, gonna <laughs> to hear about your dog and I want to know all the things. So one thing led to the next just what do you do i told her the whole story i said oh i actually started a pet wellness brand called healthy bud and all of a sudden her face goes like white she's like what and she had this bag with her a white bag mm-hmm. and she opens it and she pulls out our product and she's like i just <laughs> bought healthy bud at the store so for me that that was the first time i had ever uh, hmm. a direct experience because when you sell to retail you don't you don't get to see that interaction Yeah, and,
0: you know they place orders but you're very really removed yeah. from the and actual you're like- is there a customer buying it on the other side? I hope so. Yeah,
1: I hope so. And also who is that person? And it was just such a, it was such a moment for me where I'm like, Oh wow. Like Mm -hmm. something about the packaging stood out to people. So on, on a design creative level, it felt really good. Even though now I look back at it and I'm like, I don't know how, like why did you pick that up? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, But, but she did. And and there was just so much love around it and and she was so excited. And I think to extend, Experience and see that type of emotional response to buying sweet potato and beef lung was like, mm-hmm. <laughs> cool, we could do something bigger than just selling product, we can really connect with other pet parents. And and as a dog mom myself, like, mm-hmm. and I love dogs so much, like, there's nothing more we want than to mm-hmm. give our give the
0: best to our pups, and to also meet other people who want the same thing. There's that initial bond right away. Yeah. And you, you're, you're building a community, you know, focus around pet wellness and pet yeah. health, and which it
1: is, is wonderful. A, it is such a community.
0: It is, it's a
1: beautiful community and it's just rooted in so much, so much love. And what mm-hmm. more could we ask
0: for as a brand, you know? Um, you seem to have an amazing retail network now. I believe you also sell direct to consumer. Uh, I mean, your treats are your not just your treats, all of your products are even on Amazon. Mm-hmm. Um, and every pet store I go to seems to carry uh, healthy, healthy bud, which is great. so, uh-huh. How was it, you know, what was the process like getting to this amazing retail distribution? Did you find you had to knock on a lot of doors? Was it kind of customer buy-in that helped you get those new doors? Absolutely. We were door-to-door
1: salespeople, right? We just walked around. I mean, Kyle and I were in Toronto and Adrian is in Montreal. So we had this footprint that kind of extended in both provinces. Um, and we just had a lot of energy, a lot of passion. We spoke to our vision more than our actual product. Um, here were two young, I mean, Kyle and I went together because we lived there. We were two young entrepreneurs with, big bright eyes and we're like, we, this is our story. This is what we're up to. And you know, we're going to make this happen. And the landscape of the pet industry uh, is not filled with people like us, maybe more today, mm. but yeah. when we started, no, it's big.
0: big corporations, right?
1: A lot of big corporations or like little mom and pop type, Mm. vibe where you have like the construction paper bag with the sticker like we have homemade
0: cookies
1: (laughs) yeah yeah and we were kind of that not there and not there Mm. right and and we were trying to create a space for ourselves and um we really did have to kind of fake it at the beginning in that Mm. like you know we we had some some dogs that like the product but we may have We may have blown that up a little bit, like dogs all over in all of our buildings. Like they love the product in the store and you know, they're buying online and we just have to, there was a lot of hype. There was a lot of hype and that energy is, was really lacking in the pet space. So Mm. it wasn't such a risk for them to buy at the beginning too. We weren't trying to sell them cases upon cases. We're like, sometimes we did consignment and at the end of the day, I guess the way we did it was really authentically and organically where we would just get to know, the store owners mm-hmm. and shake their hand and just be a good person and a real person with them. And mm-hmm. and they like you and they're like, well, I'll give you a shot. And then mm-hmm. we were just really involved. We would show up, we would ask, how could we support you? Can we maybe sponsor some events in your store? Like it was a lot of that. And mm-hmm. one thing led to the next. And when we got into one store, we'd go to the other and be like, well, that store at the other end of town took it and we're doing really well there. And then and one mm-hmm. thing led to the next, and and now we're in like six hundred stores across North America. But it's kind of like wildfire how it happens. It's like yeah. it of it pours, but the beginning is the hardest. And you know, we talked a lot. We talk a lot about this in our little video project on Instagram. Like, how did we actually do this mm-hmm. at a time where three months later, COVID happened and all of the retail doors shut? So yeah. we were this new brand, and at that time, nobody. Was browsing the pet aisles. Everyone was in masks. They came in, they bought the product that they knew their dogs liked and mm-hmm. left.
0: There was mm-hmm. no interaction with. Yeah, store owner to be like it's hey, not when let's... you're chatting up and spending no. an hour at the store exploring new options no exactly so there we were
1: we worked so hard to get into a handful dozen I don't even know how many at the time of stores mm-hmm. and then the doors closed and our sales went to zero so we did all that and then they, it wasn't obviously our fault but mm-hmm. at the end of the day sales are sales and we're not moving product and that's when we shifted our our focus to online so okay. th- that was a blessing in disguise
0: This season of The Brandiest Female is made possible with the support of TD Women in Enterprise, and they're about confidently building you. As a woman entrepreneur myself, I know I need all the support I can get. It takes sound advice plus guidance to the right connections, tools, and resources. What's great about TD Services for Women in Business is their collaborative approach. TD can facilitate and connect you to workshops, coaching, and mentorship, and engage other like-minded business leaders in an authentic way, so we can share experiences and learn from each other. TD Women in Enterprise has banking specialists who are able to be proactive in the advice and guidance they give to women in business. I think the the other silver lining is so many people got pets (laughs) during the pandemic, right? A lot of people became uh, pet owners as as a result of COVID. So that must have helped restart business on the other side, I would assume. Yeah. And then that presented its own challenges of like now you're on the internet and every single
1: company is your competitor. So it's like, yeah, it wasn't necessarily easier, but there was more purpose behind it. And mm-hmm. um, we did a lot of surveys at the beginning too, before COVID happened, we'd go to dog parks and ask, you know, three questions like, do you buy your products for your dogs online? Would you buy your products for your dog online? And a couple of other questions. And a lot of people seem to be making that shift uh, over to like, yes, I, I would buy my products online. Um, but interestingly enough, unlike other industries, I find that dog moms and dog dads, like they just, they still go to the store, even if they buy online and maybe it's the experience, it's the interaction. They Mm -hmm. want to see what's new on the market. There's something special about it to bring the dog in
0: and get some expert advice too, because, and, and that's something I was going to ask you. You know, there's a lot of disruptors. You're one of the, you know, disruptors in in the industry now because there seem that massive shift seemed to just have happened where, you know, you only had a handful of brands, uh, you know, maybe five years ago that you would find in in most pet stores, um, Mm -hmm. a lot of large corporations. And then, you know, it's it started slowly. There were some new brands that came in on the market, but now there is that focus on wellness, uh, you know, new types of ingredients. I think even as humans, we're educating ourselves about superfoods and supplements and kind of, you know, optimizing our health. And now we want to do it for our pets as well. Um, But it's hard to find information. And obviously, vets have a certain point of view, depending who you're working with. um, But those pet stores are often that source of information, right? Uh, you know, I've got I've got this issue with my pet, or I'm trying to get more this into my pet's, you know, wellness routine. How how what products would you recommend? Um, do you guys feel a responsibility around kind of educating your customer uh and raising awareness for for that movement? Absolutely. And that it's
1: it's funny because you actually just you nailed it right there. Like that was our biggest hurdle is the educational aspect because the industry was so ripe for disruption. Like there was mm-hmm. so much of the same. There was the kibble. And I mean, there still is, right. There's just two companies essentially own most of the brands that you see on the shelves, even though the yeah. packaging is different. It's all. Yeah. They
0: have um, sub brands, but it's, it's the like same. A monopoly. Roots. There's a, mm-hmm. yeah.
1: And, and, and people are today, um, they're looking for more transparency. They want honesty. They want to I feel like they really want to know who's behind the products they're giving, especially when it's being ingested, right? Like mm-hmm. if you're giving something to your dog, no longer are we like, eh, I'm not going to read the ingredients
0: on the back. Mm-hmm. At
1: least at least the target audience that and the market that we're after. So we're basically, we realize that if we're going to bring all of these interesting novel superfoods to our, to their diets, the same ones that we know and love are still have very similar benefits for our dogs, just in different dosages. How are we going to, we have a, we have an uphill battle and there's definitely a a curve that we're going to have to kind of overcome uh, a learning curve with, with our community, because why would they give their dog Reishi if they don't know what Reishi is? (laughs) But we're kind of banking on the fact that we're trying to attract the people who do know what it is. Yeah, um, that's exactly who we're after, and are consuming it for themselves. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But again, we're since we're we're really trying to shake things up and and be part and lead this movement. We we don't want to isolate mm-hmm. and exclude other pet parents that do want better for the pet and want to learn. So mm-hmm. the educational aspect was a very big part of how we started. We did Instagram lives with nutritionists and vets, and we, we release weekly blogs and we still do it till today. Mm-hmm. But what's so fascinating to see now is that there is um, a little bit less of this barrier now. Like there's a lot of, a lot of newer ingredients making it into the mainstream pet space, which yeah. is fantastic we look at we look at other companies that are doing slimmer things not as competitors as like we're moving the needle together if right. we're the only ones doing it there's a problem because i don't know how many people are really going to be okay with giving ashwagandha and mm-hmm. an no one else is also doing similar types of
0: yeah uh, of it's innovation. so
1: mm-hmm. we're happy to start it but it's really cool to see how it's following how other brands are following suit and obviously hard to pinpoint who started what, but we know that we're doing it. We're making noise about it. We've applied for awards to make even Mm. more noise, but you, you really bring up a great point of the education, um, because that's extremely important. And at the end of the day, if we can inspire pet parents to read the ingredients, uh, the ingredient label on the back of the package and actually ask questions, then we're already winning because to to really have a movement, I think we have to impact people's minds and their beha- their shopping behaviors. So whether yeah. or not they buy healthy, but or another brand, like great. We're very optimistic about, about what we're up to. And, and we really as difficult and challenging as building a brand is today, at least I really like to focus on all the positive that we're doing and not get too bogged down by every, all of the challenges mm-hmm. that are being thrown our way as you get bigger, That tends to happen far more frequently.
0: <laughs> I, I Yes, I would imagine. So what's the next big thing for you? What's kind of a, a new milestone that you're working towards? So we have a product launch coming out. Uh, for,
1: it's the f- first time in, I'd say, like two years that we launch a, a product. And it's a really exciting one. There is nothing like it on the market. It's actually a training treat for brain health. So I, I, there's not a lot. Um, there are training treats, but a lot of mm-hmm. the times they're filled with fillers and they're high calorie yeah. and there's nothing really like purposeful behind mm-hmm. the actual ingredients and that's really what we do so we're like well if we're trying to create a new category in the training treat sector we should obviously include something that can help them learn that mm-hmm. you know the tricks that you're trying to train or that behaviors you're trying to to shape so we're using a really great medicinal mushroom that focuses on 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 brain and Great cognitive health. health. Amazing. Yeah. And it's a very low calorie treat and they're really, really small. So you can get a lot of them. And that's mm-hmm. definitely a milestone for us because anytime we can innovate or bring something fresh to the market, that's a big win for us. And the category is really, it's a little bit weak, I would say. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. it's, listen, you have your single ingredient training treats, which are good, but it's just protein, which, which is good. But what about bringing in these
0: really, really innovative ingredients and it makes sense as a training treat to you know to be working with brain health right that's the whole if yeah. you're, you're training your puppy and it's it, you know puppies in its development phase uh, it would make sense that you're using that type of ingredient
1: yeah and what a lot of people don't realize too is that it's also great for senior dogs so mm-hmm. a lot of the time yeah with like training for puppies keep their brain cells healthy exactly a hundred percent dogs have they can get sick from a lot of human diseases that you might not realize. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of similarity between, you know, the ailments that humans go through and dogs. Mm. So we just look at these superfoods and we're like, well, we take this for cognitive health and for immunity mm-hmm. and for anxiety. Let's, let's introduce that to our dog's diet so they can thrive too.
0: Yeah. And now you as an entrepreneur now, so, Mm. you know, you've, it it seems you've made that switch from a career in entertainment. Um, Do you consider yourself an entrepreneur and what would you say this new path is kind of bringing you? And maybe you're still like, I don't know, maybe there's still a potential career in entertainment for you in the future, but how, how are you finding kind of that transition for your own life?
1: It's a good question. And to be really honest, um, I... I never let the industry go. Like mm-hmm. I, I work a lot. <laughs> I I work very hard, but performing and and music that's part of like my soul. Mm-hmm. And I almost I couldn't do healthy bud without keeping that part of my life alive. Mm-hmm. And they work really well together. Uh, mm-hmm. The events that I do are in the evenings or the weekends. Yeah, um, very rarely do they actually coincide, and that gives me a lot of the fire to keep going when things get really tough. That's, it's not the most like common situation, but that was something I was very stubborn about when I joined is like, I'm happy. I, we didn't really chat too much about how that transition happened, but it's very important for me at least to keep what gets your fire going alive. And yeah. I love, I, I look back on my life and I'm like, what is the common thread between all of this hopping around in different jobs and an educational like system? What, what is that? And it, I realized that it's, this desire to create something out of nothing, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's in architecture, you're going to design a building or in music, you're creating an album uh, or healthy, but I'm creating a brand and package design. It's mm-hmm. this obsession with creating something out of nothing and, mm-hmm. and turning it into a reality and also connecting with people. So that's why at healthy. but I'm really the, I, I'm technically I'm the creative director, um, but really, I created the brand and mm-hmm. what is the brand at healthy, Bud? it's a community-based pet wellness brand. So I love meeting people and whether it's inve- potential investors mm. or it's dog moms, um, that's, that's the common thread where when I'm on stage, I absolutely love being able to connect with a sea of people and that's kind of my superpower. So they mm-hmm. don't really exist separately. They're actually really one. And I think that's, that's just who I am. And for a while, I've I've I struggled with it, this kind of like identity crisis of... Right. You know, which one am of, I? <laughs> which one am I? And and there was a lot of also like negative talk. A lot of people are very firm about like, if you don't put absolutely everything in it, you won't succeed. I mm. agree you have to put your all in what you do. And when I work on Healthy Butt, I give it my all. And mm-hmm. then I know how to shut off and do that mm-hmm. other part of me. And that that's my magic. And that's just who I am. And it took me years to really be confident about that Mm -hmm. and not insecure, um, and to stop caring like what other, Mm -hmm. what other people think, because at the end of the day, like it worked, we created this fascinating, yeah, I don't know, fascinating, sorry word, but it it is, it is a pretty crazy story how it happened. Mm -hmm. I also work with, we mix business with pleasure. So the odds were all stacked against us from all angles and we kind of came out. So it is, it's a crazy story and and, Mm -hmm. I'm proud every day of it. And every day is difficult for different reasons, but I really do feel blessed to be, have been able to create this reality that works for me and also for the brand. And there's this happy medium and it's a dance, you know? Mm Um, Mm so that's where we're at right now and,
0: um, we'll see what, what the future holds, but there's this really happy marriage between it all. Yeah. Well, and a happy marriage in in reality as well. (laughs) Uh, I was yeah. going to bring that up. You're, you mentioned, you know, mixing business with pleasure. You also have your your husband as a business partner. But I was going to say, I think that's the beauty of being an entrepreneur and a business owner is you can create the life you want and making space and making time for passion, other interests. I think there's a lot of multi-hyphenates, you know, nowadays we're very successful business owners. Um, you, you carve out the life you want and it's, you know, it's your business, you get a say in, and you have time for other projects as well, uh, which is great. Yeah. And, and I, I love that term,
1: like the multi-hyphenate, the multi-potential light. And I think that's kind of this like common thread and theme amongst entrepreneurs in general, because you know, I do consider myself an entrepreneur. And even when I was in full time in music, I considered myself an entrepreneur because you're selling something to people. You're Mm -hmm. creating something out of nothing. You're a lot of the skills required are there's a lot of overlap. Um, Mm -hmm. so what's really, what's really interesting is being multi-passionate and having skills in different areas. That's your superpower as an entrepreneur, because it's just not a one track lane. You're a firefighter. There's something here. You got to figure out how to be creative and solve that problem. And, you got to be a copywriter, you got to be, you know, a social media manager, a graphic designer, a salesperson, you have to wear so many hats. Mm-hmm. Um, and same thing as an artist, you got to do the exact same thing. In fact, you're selling something that nobody technically needs.
0: Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. there's a
1: lot of singers and a lot of musicians out there. And whereas at Healthy Bud, I, I know people need this. So it's, mm-hmm. a, it's, it's a different type of entrepreneurship, but I do think that having experience and educational backgrounds that are kind of diverse is what allows me to, you know, be able to build, help scale this brand quickly because we don't need to outsource um, for many tasks. We could just do it in house and be really quick about it and just kind of get it done. And especially at the beginning, like you don't, they say like, it's, kind of dangerous to go for perfection when you're starting out so at the beginning we're yeah, like you okay, can't wait for it work. to be perfect you can't wait for it to be perfect and clearly our package our first iteration of our packages is a great example of that it's just you have to you just have to keep going and you learn along the way and yeah that's what being being a multi a multi hyphenate is that's mm-hmm, part mm-hmm. of the recipe it's part of the formula and it w- what can really allow you to grow and scale quickly and, and also keep creative control too i think that's really an important part uh the more you outsource the more you have to you lose a little bit of time as well in the in-betweens and maybe things get lost in translation but the reason why healthy bud had such a strong identity is because we are healthy bud and that's what you saw out there you know and there was we we kept creative control for and we still do for for a long time. And we, we really were transparent and honest about our intention. And we are our brand, our brand is us. And we were able to do that because all of us, we're all multi-hyphenates. We're all multi-passionate people. Um, and we laugh about that sometimes we all have such different backgrounds, but they're so harmonious. Like they work well. So
0: in in such a fascinating way. Yeah. And in closing, what would be your two top pieces of advice for a woman who is considering starting a business and let's do it in the context of being a multi-hyphenate, someone who maybe has other passions or projects that they know they're going to be working on at the same time. What's your top advice for them? That's a good question. I would say to stay connected to your gut
1: and, you know, the gut never lies and, and your intuition is really strong. Um, And a lot of the times you'll know if you need to drop one thing or pick up something else. I I wouldn't be Mm. too rash about anything. And, you know, I I don't believe that you have to drop everything to do something else, but you do have to be really disciplined. Like it's, it's, it's very easy to burn out. So coming up with a routine, a schedule uh, to create as much structure in the chaos as you can and to to keep that confidence because there's a lot of opinionated people out there that maybe didn't get to do, maybe didn't work for them. So there's a lot of noise of
0: mm-hmm. it
1: can't be done if you don't do it like this. And at the end of the day, that's what helped me. I've always been very strong minded and, and driven. And it's like, I don't really care yeah. what listen to your own voice first. Yeah. It's like if, I'm going to do what I want and I'm going Mm -hmm. to make it happen in my own way. And, um, I would say just go at it with full force and, and be proud of what makes you, you as Mm -hmm. kind of cliche as that sounds, but really like that's, what's so special about it is so many brands, there's so many different entrepreneurs out there, but nobody you.
0: Yeah. And you bring a unique flavor to whatever it is you're doing.
1: Absolutely. And and be proud. And, and also like, this is like an aside, something I learned more recently is like, take time for self-care. Like Mm -hmm. that is huge. Oh my God. Because at least I am an empath. I I absorb energy. I feel a lot. Um, it allows me to connect with people and our community and it's just, it's a lot sometimes, um, there's a lot going on. So if you really do want to keep that intuition and that connection with your gut, you have to, in my opinion, stay connected with yourself and give yourself that time to just reconnect. Who are you? What do you love? Like just take the peace that, that takes and bring in some tranquility into your day, take some you time. And that helps along the way to remember like who you are, why you're doing this. Cause it's very easy to forget the why. Amidst the yes. Chaos. <laughs> yeah,
0: and you're going to get pulled in a, in a million directions and then your focus ends yeah. up, you know, in a million different places. And you have to remember why absolutely. you're doing this and your original intention yeah absolutely yeah well thank you so much dana for sharing your insights and your journey uh we'll keep an eye out for that new product launch <laughs> We're very excited for my own mini poodle to try it and oh, best sure. of luck congratulations for you what you've launched and let's stay in touch thank you Ava. thank you so much for having me my pleasure Thank you so much for listening to the Brandis Female Podcast. Please don't forget to subscribe and leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thank you to our editor, Isabel Morris, and our editorial manager, Mackie Domingo. Thank you to TD Women and Enterprise for their support of The Brandis Female. You've got it in you to succeed. Let TD help guide you. Visit thebrandisfemale.com to learn more.